Thank you for downloading this podcast from the Freedom Centre Church in Preston. We're going to take a reading this morning and we're going to read from Genesis chapter 18. Genesis chapter 18 and we're going to read 15 verses. It's part of the story, the journey of Abraham and uh, Sarah. We're going to track a little bit with Abraham and Sarah this morning, and we're going to fast track through different parts of uh, their lives, and we're going to learn some lessons uh, about uh, that amazing uh, couple uh, this morning. So Genesis chapter 18, then the Lord appeared to him, him being Abraham, by the terebinth trees of Mamre. Terebinth trees are big overlying trees. Uh, grown over many hundreds of years, and they give amazing shadow and shade to someone who's trying to stay out of the heat. And uh, there's Abraham sitting there below the trees, sitting near his tent door in the heat of the day. So he lifted his eyes and looked, and behold, three men were standing by him. And when he saw them, he ran from the tent door to meet them and bowed himself to the ground and said, My Lord, If I have now now found favor in your sight, do not pass on by your servant. Please let a little water (laughs) be brought and wash your feet and rest yourselves under the tree. And I will bring a morsel of bread that you may refresh your hearts. After that, you may pass by inasmuch as you have come to your servant. They said, do as you have said. So Abraham hurried into the tent to Sarah and said, Quickly, make ready three measures of fine meal, knead it, and make cakes. And Abraham ran to the herd, took a tender and good calf, gave it to a young man, and he hastened to prepare it. So he took butter and milk and the calf which he had prepared and set it before them. And he stood by them under the tree as they ate. Then they said to him, Where's Sarah, your wife? And he said, here in the tent. And he said, I will certainly return to you according to the time of life. And behold, Sarah, your wife, shall have a son. Sarah was listening in the tent door, which was behind him. Now Abraham and Sarah were old, well advanced in age. And Sarah had passed the age of childbearing. Therefore Sarah laughed within herself, saying, After I have grown old, shall I have pleasure, my Lord, being old also? (laughs) I'll move on without any comment. And the Lord said to Abraham, why did Sarah laugh? Saying, surely I shall bear a child since I'm old. Is anything too hard for the Lord? At the appointed time, I will return to you according to the time of life, and Sarah shall have a son. But Sarah denied it, saying, I didn't laugh, because she was afraid. And he said, no, but you did laugh. And uh, God will bless the reading of his word. I've entitled this morning, uh, You're Having a Laugh. (laughs) You're Having a Laugh. And some of you older ladies will be thinking and uh, commiserating with Sarah, be saying, yeah, I would laugh too. (laughs) Maybe even cry, I don't know. Uh, and sometimes people promise you things, don't they? And uh, 
They say something over and over and over again to you, and you wait and you wait and you wait, and nothing happens. At first, when they give you the promise, you believed them, you trusted them, you waited for them, and then eventually, when nothing happens, you get a little bit cynical, and you maybe even say to yourself, they're having a laugh. You feel a fool <laughs> for ever trusting them in the first place. You told people it was coming, they were coming. Uh, you told people it was on its way, it was happening, but nothing happens. And so what happens in these instances is you started to get a little bit depressed, maybe a little bit angry. Frustration comes and you ask yourself, why? Why, God? Why didn't it happen? Why is it not happening? Where are you? Why has it not arrived? Why do you never come through for me? And hope begins to fade away. You almost feel like you've been made a fool of. And when someone mentions the vision, the dream that you had, you find yourself either laughing inside or maybe even outside, as Sarah did. Well, she laughed inside. And you think to yourself, what a fool I was to ever believe that, whatever that is. Maybe even say to yourself things like, there's no fool like a old fool. Why do you say, why do you say it so readily when you're looking at me? <laughs> You feel naive, you feel stupid, you feel, to ever have thought it was possible. Why would, I, why would I ever believe that promise? Well, as we're going to see this morning, if you've ever felt that way, you are not alone. You are certainly not alone. Uh, I was tempted to say, just look around you, but, uh, <laughs> but you're not alone, because we're going to look at Abraham and Sarah. Abram, the father of faith the man of God, the friend of God, the great patriarch, 75 years old when he was first promised that he would have this son. And his wife was approximately about 66 years old. And in Genesis chapter 12, and we're going to fast track through a bit of their life, a bit of their journey this morning, because they were on a journey. Uh, chapter 12, God told them to go. Uh, Abram had followed his father and uh, had settled down. And the Lord said to Abraham before they had settled, he said, get out of your country from your family and from your father's house to a land that I will show you. <coughs> Excuse me, show you. I will make you a great nation. I will bless you and make your name great and you shall be a blessing. So Abraham, being a good man of faith, departed and the journey begins. Then we can fast forward to Genesis chapter 15. The Lord comes again to Abram in a vision. Abram's now 85 years old, and he comes in a vision to him. Ten years have passed. Ten years have passed. Half of his life has now gone. Halfway through his life. He lived to his 175, Abram. And the Lord comes again and speaks and says, I am your shield. I am your exceeding great reward. And Abraham's answer is a little bit cut. He says, Lord God, what will you give me? Seeing I go childless. Ten years have passed. No answer. 
Lord, he says, just in case God didn't catch it, he says, you have given me no offspring. And he says, look who my heir is. Now, his heir in that time was a chap called Eliezer of Damascus. And he was a nobody, basically, a son of a slave in the house, the household, slave son. Have you ever noticed that sometimes, always, just about, your circumstances contradict the promise that God has given you? So there's Abraham looking around him and saying, I've only got this lad here at the moment who's my heir. And uh, verse 4 and 5, And behold, the word of the Lord came to him, saying, This one shall not be your heir, but one who will come from your own body shall be your heir. God says, look at the stars. Count them. Number them. That's how many... It's laughable, isn't it? That's how many descendants you're going to have. And he's thinking, I haven't even got one. Never mind all them stars. And so, because of the word of the Lord came, he believed the Lord again. And it says the Lord accounted it to him for righteousness. God's an accountant. And his account, Abram's account, was credited, even though he was often not right, it was accounted with righteousness. Why? Because faith is the currency of heaven. You spend faith. Don't spend euros or dollars or pounds. We as Christians spend faith. And God accounted it to him for as righteousness. And then we move on to chapter 16. And Abram's patience runs out. And Sarah, his unwise wife, says to him, See now, spend the night with Hagar. Hagar is one of their servants. And she says, let's see what comes from you spending some time with her. Whoa. Let's see what happens. Someone once said, never think with your eyes, because Satan will always show you something to desire. And there she was. And uh, his wife says to him, you go and spend some time with Hagar and see what happens. And Abraham liked what he saw. So he went. And now we have big trouble. Now we have huge trouble. Now we have trouble that is still going on today. All because Abraham and Sarah's flesh took control. Why? Because chapter 21 verse 13 tells us, God said to Abraham, I will make a nation of the son of the slave because he is your seed. He is your seed. And there's promises in your seed. So I will make a great nation from you using your seed unwisely. And the ramifications have lasted literally thousands of years. Muhammad, founder of Islam, claims to be a direct descendant of Ishmael. And Muslims today view themselves as both the physical and the spiritual descendants of Abraham and Hagar's son, Ishmael. 2,600 years later, a direct descendant of Ishmael named Muhammad birthed forth a new religion into the world. And what does the religion teach? 
some of you might know. What does the religion teach? You sang songs this morning. You're a good, good father. You're father to the orphan. Well, this is what they teach. This is what they believe. They believe God is not a father. They believe God has no son. And thirdly, they believe Ishmael, not Isaac, is the heir with regards to the promises of God on the earth. In a spiritual sense, Islam is the broken, bitter cry of a son who was rejected. And that son is named Ishmael, who Hagar, sorry, yeah, who Hagar and Abram gave birth to. Actions have ramifications. Fast forward now to chapter 17. Abram's now 99 years old. I'm counting. Another 14 years have passed. It's now 24 years since God called them up out of Haran. And the Lord appears to him again. And again, the same promise. I will multiply you exceedingly. And then he names or renames Abram to Abraham. He went from being named High Father, singular, to being named Abraham, father of many nations. Notice how God was broadening his fatherhood. He changes Sarai to Sarah. Sarai, princess. Sarah, Sarah, mother of nations. And still no baby from Sarah. And then in verse 16, the promise again. I will give you a son. And that's why he changed their names, because he knew the son was coming. He knew, God knew, the prophecy was going to be fulfilled. So that he was getting them ready to be all that their name entitled, as it were, them to be. And Abraham laughs now. It's not just Sarah laughing, now Abraham's laughing. And then at that stage, God says, I'm not even going to give your son a name. His name's going to be Isaac. And Abraham says, well, what about Ishmael? And God basically says, what about Ishmael? He says, well, God says, my covenant is with Isaac. But I will bless Ishmael. But my covenant's with Isaac. Roll on to chapter 18. The three men, as we read, appear out of the blue. Where's Sarah? Back in the tent. One of the three says, I'm going to return next year. And when I do that, she'll have had a child. And Sarah, back in the tent, laughed, thinking, you must be joking. At this age, she was barren. Actually, her time had gone. God had left it till it wasn't humanly possible for them to have a baby. It wasn't physical It wasn't a physical reality. It was never going to happen. So we would have laughed probably too. (laughs) That would be fun. Baby at this age. And the Lord said to Abram, why did Sarah laugh? Can you imagine the atmosphere suddenly changing? It's all very friendly. And suddenly, why is Sarah laughing? Uh, Better ask Sarah. (laughs) I don't know. And then to make matters worse, Sarah says, no, I didn't laugh. (laughs) No, I didn't laugh, sorry, honestly, didn't laugh. 
And Lord said, no, but you did laugh. I can just imagine the atmosphere. I bet she stopped laughing then. Fast forward to Genesis 21. God had visited Sarah as he had promised. The prophecy was fulfilled. At a 100-year-old, Abraham becomes a father to a legitimate son. And they name him Isaac. What does Isaac's name mean? Do you know what it means? God is having a laugh. That's what it means. They named him Isaac. There's laughter all the way through this story. Inappropriate laughter sometimes, appropriate laughter other times. The answer has come. All that they've been promised, all that they have longed for, all that they didn't think was physically possible had come. The waiting's over, the anguish is over, the embarrassment's over. Isaac is born. And there he is, standing there, or sitting there, or running around, or whatever, in flesh and blood, God's promise to this couple. And listen to what Sarah says, chapter 21, verse 6. Sarah said, God has made me laugh, and all who hear will laugh with me. Who would have said to Abraham and Sarah that, that Sarah would nurse a child, for I have borne him a son in old age? Just listen to the emotion in that statement. The heartache, the joy, the relief, the regret. regret. Who would have said to Abraham that I would nurse a child? Nobody would be crazy enough apart from God. Nobody. God had waited till it was physically impossible. It wasn't natural. If this was going to be a birth, it was going to be a supernatural birth. So what can we learn very quickly through this amazing story? I wrote down four huge, huge number of lessons, four quick lessons. Let's go through them very, very quickly. Number one, God is always faithful to his promises. Always. God is always faithful to his promises. Not what we've imagined, not what we've promised ourselves. He's faithful to his promises. Though the vision tarries, wait for it. Joshua 21 verse 45, Not one of all the Lord's good promises to Israel failed. Every one was fulfilled. Everyone. Joshua 23 14, Now I'm about to go the way of all the earth. You know with all your heart and soul that not one of all the good promises the Lord your God gave you has failed. Every promise has been fulfilled. Not one has failed. Jeremiah, the Lord said to me, you have seen correctly, for I am watching to see that my word is fulfilled. So here we have a picture of the Lord watching to make sure that the words that have come out of his mouth are being fulfilled. Lamentations 2, verse 17 The Lord has done what he planned. He has fulfilled his word, which he decreed long ago. Ezekiel 12, 28. Therefore say to them, this is what the sovereign Lord says. None of my words will be delayed any longer. Whatever I say will be fulfilled, says and declares the sovereign Lord. See, God cannot tell a lie. If he told a lie, it would be the truth. You understand? He only speaks 
truth. He only speaks truth. And God is always, always, always. Think of his promises, promises to you in his word, and maybe he promises to you individually, and to you as a family, and to you as a couple. He always, always fulfills his promises. Number two, believing God is a journey. Abraham and Sarah were on a journey physically, but they were also on a journey spiritually. You are on a journey. I am on a journey. And believing God is a journey. It's not just a decision. It's not just an experience. Once you've made the decision, once you've had the experience, you always go on a journey. And on that journey, you may well and you will make mistakes. You may fail. You may question God. But God's Word always, always, always comes to pass. He always has the last laugh. And Abraham was questioning God. What he didn't realize was that through his journey, God was questioning him, testing him. Let me tell you something. Your faith, my faith, will always be tested. Always be tested. I'm going to talk about that a little bit next week. But don't make Abram's mistake. Don't take a fleshly shortcut to a spiritual promise. Go on the journey. God's timing is perfect. Believing God is a journey and your faith will be tested on that journey. And we'll look about that next week. Number three, we think in the here and now, but God thinks generationally. We think in hours and minutes, but God looks down the, the generations. Your life, my life, is not all about me. It's not. You are part of a plan, a picture. And one of the reasons you have me in front of you this morning is not just me. It's not just my decision. It's not just my plans, my goals. The reason you have me in front of you this morning bringing you God's Word because I am part of a generational blessing from the past into the future now. My past generations, Tom's past generations, my, our ancestors, our grandparents, our parents would never have believed that them being faithful in Scotland to God, that trusting God through good times and bad times, that them walking through the streets of Glasgow and Scotland with a big black Bible, they would never have dreamt that because of their faithfulness that today we would be meeting here. Never have dreamt it. Never dreamt that them praying for their children and their children's children would result in us doing all that we do. Lydia House, Love Preston, this building, Freedom Center, the nations, India, Malaysia, they would never believe any of that. Never believe there was two Baptist ministers in our family. <laughs> I would never believe it either. But anyway, <laughs> brought up in the brethren. <laughs> they were the rebels, but pray for them. But anyway... <laughs> But our mother prayed all of her life that her sons and daughters would get the opportunity that she never had. She was refused to go into full-time Christian work, refused to go to Youth for Christ, 
But instead of just saying, well, that's God and he's never allowed and I'm, 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 I feel unfulfilled, I feel frustrated and everything else, she began to pray. Pray for what was in front of her, her family. And now there's four of us, four of us in full-time Christian work, preaching, teaching, discipling, learning, loving. Why? Because a past generation was faithful to the next generation. So don't think about the next 24 hours and think that's what your life is all about. Think about the next 24 years. Think about the next 240 years if Jesus doesn't come. (coughs) Excuse me, doesn't come. Think about that. Think about your little ones. Think about your family. Think about your nephews and your nieces, grandchildren. Invest in them. God thinks generationally. He does not think in the next two minutes. And so often we pray and we get a vision and God says something and we think, oh, it's going to happen now. Next five minutes. And if he waits five hours, well, I'm beginning to tarry. (laughs) I'm beginning to get impatient. So five days, I'll give it. Five months. Five years? Oh, no, I couldn't wait five years. You understand? And now overlooking, as it talks in Hebrews, overlooking the balcony of heaven is our ancestors looking over, seeing that God is faithful. Will they look over in generations to come and see whether we have been faithful? God is faithful. Don't think in the here and the now. Think generationally. How can you bless the next generation? How can you invest in the next generation? Number four, lastly, be careful where you sow what God has given you. When you sow, you reap a harvest. Sow wisely. If you sow friendship, you will reap friends. If you sow love, you'll reap love. You sow hatred, you will reap hatred. You sow the gospel, you will get converts. Alpha. Sowing alpha into our community, sowing alpha into our friends, sowing that money, sowing that time, we will get converts. You sow into the gospel and you are blessed. Life is like a garden. You reap what you sow. How's the garden of your life? Some of us are frustrated because we've been waiting for a harvest, waiting for the flowers to bloom. And then we look back and think, I haven't sowed anything. Maybe, just maybe, that's why I haven't got any flowers this year. Maybe, just maybe, I'm not getting what I want. We haven't sowed the seed that God has given us. And if we, had so, if we have sown the seed, sometimes we have sown it unwisely, like Abraham did. And we're frustrated because all we have is weeds. Robert Louis Stevenson said, don't judge each day by the harvest you reap, but by the seeds that you have planted. So Abraham shouts down to us from the balcony of heaven this morning, down to this generation, and he says, be careful what you sow and where you sow it. He says, be careful. I've been there. I've done it. And they made a grave mistake. He sowed what he had, but he sowed it wrongly and unwisely and out of God's plan. Why did he grab Hagar? Why, when Sarah offered the opportunity to sleep with her, why did he go for it? Because time was running out. 
he was up against the clock. They call it the ladies the body clock. I'm up against the body clock. I'm running out of time. So he made an agreement with his wife that God's not going to do this, so we're going to have to do something ourselves. God helps a man who helps himself. Maybe that's where the phrase came from. So he helped himself inappropriately. And Joel Richardson, the author, writer on eschatology, describes what happened when Abram tried to get rid of the fruit of his seed. Ishmael was the fruit of his seed. And ultimately, we're not going to it this morning, but he sent the boy away and the mother away. Sarah says, get rid of them. Put them out. Go. Get rid of them. Because we've got our own son now. Don't want that. That's a reminder of a bad night. Should never have sent it to you. So never have suggested it. And often our past hits us between the eyes, so we think, get rid of it. Get rid. Put them out. And Abraham they had the, the situation where he had to kiss goodbye to his son. Fend for yourself, Hagar. Make your own arrangement. And what uh, Joel Richardson says, what we need to understand is you have this little boy called Ishmael. And he had a dad. And he had a mother. And he had a family. He had a life. He had an inheritance. And one of these days, one, one day, he loses all of these things. He loses his dad. He loses his inheritance. He's out in the desert. He's out on his own. And that brokenness, that woundedness, that rejection that took place in this little child today has been passed on into the religion of Islam. They don't sing God is a good, good father. Our father's Abraham. God has no sons. Ishmael is the inheritor, not Isaac. Life can be a serious business where what we do has ramifications and consequences. Life is not all laughter. But the amazing thing is God can make a way where there is no way. God can turn all things together for good. God can turn our tears and our regret into laughter. God can restore the years that the locusts have eaten. God can take what we consider dead and bring it to life and bring fruit. He can bring new life. He can bring new joy. He can bring new opportunities and new vision. That's the God that we serve. So maybe you're looking back this morning and thinking, oh, I should never have done that. I should never have made that mistake. I should never have listened to what they said. And now look at the mess. The amazing thing is, God works it all together for good. Isn't he amazing? Isn't he an amazing God? Isn't he a good, good father? We look over his children and say, oh, you've messed up. You're not even believing. In fact, you're laughing at me. So I'll have the last laugh. I'll name him Isaac. The God who laughs. Let's just pray. Father, I thank you that as you look over our life, you see us sowing seed. And sometimes that seed is appropriate and sometimes it's not, Lord Jesus. Thank you that you are a good, good father. You forgive us. You bless us. You make us a blessing. You make us 
when it's not possible, you make us fruitful. You give us vision, you give us aims, you give us goals, you give us objectives, you give us dreams, and you wait till they're impossible to do on our own, and then suddenly, this time, next year, you're going to be pregnant. You're going to see what I have promised. Maybe God's speaking to someone this morning. You've given up in your dream. You've given up in your vision. You've given up in your passion. You may be even laughing. Say, God's been having a laugh at me. Maybe other people are laughing at you. Maybe other people think you've blown it. God says, next year. This time. Next year. I'll be back. And you will see that I have what I have promised you. I never break a promise. All will be fulfilled. So as you examine God's promise this morning and you've given up and thought he's forgotten, forgot he's put it away and gone on to somebody else, he comes to us this morning and says, I'll never give up on you. Never let you go. I'm your true father. I'm not sending you away. I'm bringing you home. Father, touch his life this morning, touch his heart, touch his situation. Where a dream has died, Lord, resurrect it. Bring it to life. Do only what you can do. Touch our hard hearts. Bring the love back. Bring the compassion back. Make us to be a blessing. In Jesus' lovely and precious name. Amen. For more information about our church or to access more of our resources, please visit thefreedomcenter.com.